we have to understand something. How can you talk about freedom and justice for all when you were brought under the banner of servitude? How can you talk about freedom and justice for all when you were brought in shackles and chains with yokes about your neck? The Bible says that the children of Israel will be scattered into all nations under the banner of slavery. This was a global slave trade. Luke chapter 21 verse 21 through 24 says you're going to fall by the edge of the sword and they're going to be led away captive into all nations. So the question for the critical thinker is this, who did that happen to? Did that happen to the Chinese? No. Did that happen to the Arab? No. Did that happen to the European? No. Did that happen to the people that call themselves Jewish? No. What race of mankind on the earth was taken into captivity into all nations? You think this global slave trade would be not documented in the greatest history book known to mankind? You're looking at the Bible and you don't realize that it's talking about you. Yes, you. The people that are impacted by slavery and colonialism. The people that were taken to America, taken to the Caribbean islands, taken to France, Portugal, taken to Spain as slaves. The Bible says that the, the gospel... The gospel of the Jesus Christ that we know of is a black man that came to set liberty to the captives. That's Isaiah 61, verse 1. Who needs saving? Who needs liberty? Does the French need liberty? Does America need liberty? Who is oppressed? Who is getting brutalized in the streets? Who is getting gunned down when you know categorically and statistically they committed no crime? You're being persecuted over a traffic violation. You're being murdered and slaughtered. Ask Sandra Bland, was she free? Ask Trayvon Martin, was he free? Ask George Floyd. A lot of people talk about that they're woke. You're fake woke. The scripture says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness, awake to who you are. Who were you prior to slavery? Who were you prior to colonization? These answers and more can be seen as we listen to the Forefront Radio where you will find out the truth in regards to your true nationality. Yes, when you read about the Bible, when it says, my skin is black, it's talking about you. When you read Song of Solomon, when it says, look not upon me because I am black, it's talking about you. When it comes to the greatest man that walked on the face of the earth, Jesus the Christ died a black man's death, died through crucifixion, lynched on a tree, hair like wool, feet like brass burned in a furnace. Who could this be talking about? This is talking about you, your people, the lost tribes of Israel. You were listening to the Forefront Radio. Thanks for listening in. We're going to tune to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 7 and verse 8, it says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe 
alive. So according to the scriptures, we are going to reveal to you who the wicked is according to the Bible, their system of governments and how they operate in this world. The next scripture we're going to look at is Job chapter nine, verse 24. It says the earth is given into the hand of the wicked, the wicked, the earth is given into the hand of the wicked. So who's that? Whoever is controlling the earth right now, that's who the wicked is according to the Bible. He covereth the faces of the judges thereof. If not, where and who is he? So if it's not those that are in power today, who is he? Who's controlling the Vatican? Who's controlling the United States of America? Who's controlling Europe? Who's controlling the United Nations? According to the Bible, that is the wicked. Now let's check out this history real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, in this episode of Legacy of the Wicked, we are going to read a couple of texts of scripture and look into some uh, pertinent information related to us in the Black Diaspora. We went over last episode the fact that the uh, European powers, as well as the United States of America, are represented as the dragon, the eagle, the beast, the sons of a perdition, Lucifer, Hillel, Hellas, the Greeks, and various other terms. Um, I have a audio bite that we're going to listen to, and we're going to break this down section by section. We're going to listen to various sections of this book called War is a Racket by General Smedley D. Butler. All right. But before we listen to this audio, I'm going to read these two sets of scripture. The first is Jeremiah 22, verse 13, and it reads, Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 13. Woe unto him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by wrong, that useth his neighbor's service without wages, without wages, and giveth him not for his work. So when you read the Bible, God is saying destruction upon him that builds his house by unrighteousness. Now, Esau, the Europeans, the United States of America, the Greeks, the Romans, they have all set themselves up by multiplying wickedness on the earth. They established their own houses by bloodshed, war, and violence. And a key factor is that he uses his neighbor's service without wages. Wages means you're paying somebody for a service, right? If I go to a job, there's a living wage that I should have to sustain myself. The European powers all across this world have used slavery, basically using our people's service without wages, stealing natural resources, stealing people. This is the legacy of the wicked. God gives you examples that you can look up from the Bible to give you an indication of who he's talking about. So now we're going to read another text of scripture. The book of Micah, chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2, it says, Woe to them that devise iniquity, 
and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in their power of their hand. So what does that mean? He's telling us woe or destruction to those that devise iniquity. The word iniquity is sin. Sin is transgression of the laws of God. Sin represents lawlessness. The way that the European powers have established themselves on the earth was through lawless deeds, immoral behaviors, colonization, slavery. These are all immoral actions that they still benefit from for today. Watch this. It says, and work evil upon their beds. So think about it. They're laying in their bed and they say, I have a bright idea. Let's pass a law called Dumb Diversus to enslave all black Jews, black Moors, uh, uh, and quote unquote infidels. And when it comes to light, we'll just, yeah, no, you're, you're not the real people of the Bible. You're just Negroes. That's who you are. Remember, the term Negro is a Spanish term. A lot of black folks in America don't speak Spanish. Why do they call you Negro? Because the black Jews, black Portuguese that lived in Spain and Portugal that got kicked out during the Inquisition, that got persecuted during the Inquisition, they called you Negro. Mm, now you're putting two and two together. Mm, mm-hmm. this, this is the facts of history. Look it up. Dumb diverses passed by the Pope. So he says, woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, meaning once, once it's daytime, they practice it. So they have a, a wicked idea. When it comes the morning, during the day, they say, let's do this. Let's, let's venture off and do this. Like the scramble for Africa. They set up a, Ber- a Berlin conference where they got together and they said, we're going to oppress the peoples of the earth. Let's focus on the continent of Africa and we'll figure out a way to get all their money, all their resources, all their wealth and place them in perpetual servitude. That's that's what they did. And they try to push it through their religion. They try to push it through their politics and their policies on how they conduct themselves. Watch this. It says, because it is in the power of their hand, meaning what? They have the ability through military might, economic might. It is within the power of their hand to uh, misuse their power to oppress, to oppress God's chosen people. Watch this. Verse two, and they covet fields and they covet fields and take them by violence. Did Britain covet land and take them by violence? Yes. Did the French covet land and take them by violence? Yes. Did the Dutch covet land and take them by violence? Yes. Did America covet land and take it by violence? Yes. So they take these fields, lands, properties that don't belong to them by violence and houses and take them away. So not only do they take the house, but they take the people living in the house. That's what you call the transatlantic slave trade, right? Human trafficking. That's what's still happening now to this day. Okay. 
And they have taught the other nations to embrace doing this to so-called Blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans. This is the legacy of the wicked. It says, and they take, and they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his heritage, even a man and his house. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. So not only do they oppress us, but they take our heritage, our identity, our culture. Now they're walking around and saying that they are the people of God. They're walking around calling themselves quote unquote Christian. The original Christian were African Judaic people groups. The original Christians like the Ethiopian Jew, the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip, right? Like Peter, Paul, James, all of these people lived in the continent of Africa. They were from the 12 tribes of Israel, who is a black race. They removed us from our culture and said, you're just quote unquote Negro. And now we're going to take over your identity, take over your heritage and give it to our own people. That's what the Ukrainians, the Polish, the Ashkenazi, the Danes, the British, the Americans, that's what they did. Let's put it in modern perspective. When you watch a movie like The Last Mexican, they don't portray uh, Afro-Mexican. When you watch movies like Last of the Mohicans, they don't portray uh, Afro-Indian. When you watch uh, uh, any type of movie like The Last Gods of Egypt, they're not portraying the African, Sudanic, and the uh, Hebraic people groups that lived in there, in Nubia, kingdoms like Nubia, the, the kingdoms of the ancient Egyptians, they'll tell you, oh, it was during the time of the Greeks and Romans. That's when they took over and they were pharaohs over Egypt. That's what they try to push. But who were the Greeks before they were called Greeks? Crickets. You don't hear anything. They just, uh, uh, We don't know who they were uh, because they had no civilization prior to the Greeks. They may have had kingdoms like the Edomite kingdoms when they intermingled with the Horites and the Canaanites and all of that. But as far as a major empire, like how the Israelites had, no. Okay, like the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, right? These empires existed before the Greeks, right? So now we're going to listen to a clip from this book called War is a Racket, where we can look at a real life example of how the United States government coveted fields, houses, property, people, and how did they acquire these things? How did they set this stuff up? From oppression. Listen close. War is a racket. It always has been. It is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. It is the only one international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. A racket is best described, I believe, as something that is not what it seems to the majority of the people. Only a small inside group knows what it is about. It is conducted for the benefit of the very few. 
at the expense of the very many. Out of war, a few people make huge fortunes. In the World War, a mere handful garnered the profits of the conflict. At least 21,000 new millionaires and billionaires were made in the United States during the World War. That many admitted their huge blood gains in their income tax returns. How many other war millionaires falsified their tax returns, no one knows. How many of these war millionaires shouldered a rifle? How many of them dug a trench? How many of them knew what it meant to go hungry in a rat-infested dugout? How many of them spent sleepless, frightened nights ducking shells and shrapnel and machine-gun bullets? How many of them parried a bayonet thrust of an enemy? How many of them were wounded or killed in battle? Out of war, nations acquire additional territory. If they are victorious, they just take it. This newly acquired territory promptly is exploited by the few, the self-same few who wrung dollars out of blood in the war. The general public shoulders the bill. And So right there, this individual says what we just read in Micah chapter 2, how they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. That's exactly what we just read in the Bible. The Bible is a true book. What is this bill? This bill renders a horrible accounting. Newly placed gravestones, mangled bodies, shattered minds, broken hearts and homes, economic instability, depression and all its attendant miseries, back-breaking taxation for generations and generations. For a great many years as a soldier, I had a suspicion that war was a racket. Not until I retired to civil life did I fully realize it. Now that I see the international war clouds gathering, as they are today, I must face it and speak out. Again they are choosing sides. France and Russia met and agreed to stand side by side. Italy and Austria hurried to make a similar agreement. Poland and Germany cast sheep's eyes at each other, forgetting for the nonce their dispute over the Polish corridor. The assassination of King Alexander of Yugoslavia complicated matters. Yugoslavia and Hungary, long, bitter enemies, were almost at each other's throats. Italy was ready to jump in. But France was waiting. So was Czechoslovakia. All of them are looking ahead to war. Not the people, not those who fight and pay and die, only those who foment wars and remain safely at home to profit. There are 40 million men under arms in the world today, and our statesmen and diplomats have the temerity to say that war is not in the making. Hell's bells! Are those 40 million men being trained to be dancers? Not in Italy, to be sure. Premier Mussolini knows what they are being trained for. He, at least, is frank enough to speak out. Only the other day, Il Duce, in the International Conciliation, the publication of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, said, And above all, fascism. The more it considers and observes the future and the development of humanity quite apart from political considerations of the moment, believes neither in the possibility nor the utility of perpetual peace. War alone brings up to its highest tension all human energy and puts the stamp of nobility upon the people who have the courage to meet it. Undoubtedly, Mussolini means exactly what he says. His well-trained army, his great fleet of planes, and even his navy are ready for war, anxious for it, apparently. 
His recent stand at the side of Hungary in the latter's dispute with Yugoslavia showed that. And the hurried mobilization of his troops on the Austrian border after the assassination of Dolfus showed it too. There are others in Europe, too, whose saber-rattling presages war sooner or later. Herr Hitler, with his rearming Germany and his constant demands for more and more arms, is an equal if not greater menace to peace. France only recently increased the term of military service, or its youth, from a year to eighteen months. Yes, all over nations are camping in their arms. The mad dogs of Europe are on the loose. In the Orient, the maneuvering is more adroit. Back in 1904, when Russia and Japan fought, we kicked out our old friends, the Russians, and back Japan. Then our very generous international bankers were financing Japan. Now the trend is to poison us against the Japanese. What does the open-door policy to China mean to us? Our trade with China is about $90 million a year. Or the Philippine Islands? We have spent about $600 million in the Philippines in 35 years, and we, our bankers and industrialists and speculators, have private investments there of less than $200 million. Then, to save that China trade of about $90 million, or to protect these private investments of less than $200 million in the Philippines, we would be all stirred up to hate Japan and go to war, a war that might well cost us tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of lives of Americans, and many more hundreds of thousands of physically maimed and mentally unbalanced men. Of course, for this loss, there would be a compensating profit. Fortunes would be made. Millions and billions of dollars would be piled up by a few. Munitions makers, bankers, shipbuilders, manufacturers, meat packers, speculators. They would fare well. Yes, they are getting ready for another war. Why shouldn't they? It pays high dividends. But what does it profit the men who are killed? What does it profit their mothers and sisters, their wives and their sweethearts? What does it profit their children? What does it profit anyone, except the very few to whom war means huge profits? Yes, and what does it profit the nation? Take our own case. Until 1898, we didn't own a bit of territory outside the mainland of North America. At that time, our national debt was a little more than a billion dollars. Then we became internationally minded. We forgot or shunted aside the advice of the father of our country. We forgot George Washington's warning about entangling alliances. We went to war. We acquired outside territory. At the end of the World War period, as a direct result of our fiddling in international affairs, our national debt had jumped to over $25 billion. Our total favorable trade balance during the 25-year period was about $24 billion. Therefore, on a purely bookkeeping basis, we ran a little behind year for year, and that foreign trade might well have been ours without the wars. It would have been far cheaper, not to say safer, for the average American who pays the bills to stay out of foreign entanglements. For very few, this racket, like bootlegging and other underworld rackets, brings fancy profits. But the cost of operations is always transferred to the people who do not profit. So that was the first chapter of the book called War is a Racket, showing you the mindset of those that go to war and create oppression, showing you the mindset of the wicked. Now, in the Bible, they're called Esau, Idumia, Greek, Roman, uh, uh, the sons of perdition, the wicked, 
the Antichrist, the beast, the woman riding the beast, Babylon the Great, Assyria, spiritual Egypt, spiritual Sodom. There's so many different things that you could look at and examine based on the scriptures to tell us who the wicked is. I'm going to show you something out of the Bible that matches up exactly with what we just read. Watch this. In Genesis chapter 27, it says this, verse 37, it says, And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Esau is the forefather of the Caucasian races. It says, Behold, I have made him Lord, referring to Jacob, and all his brethren's have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? So his original purpose was to serve Jacob. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So he cried. And Isaac, his son, I'm sorry, Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. So Isaac is telling him, you're going to receive the fatness of the earth, all the wealth, all the riches of the world, you're going to receive it. But then he's going to describe to him how Esau will obtain it. How Edom, how Mount Seir, how the uh, Europeans will attain their wealth. Wealth. Listen close. Verse 40. This is Genesis 27, verse 40. And by thy sword shalt thou live. And by thy sword shalt thou live. So Esau was going to live by the sword. Remember, you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Meaning what? They're going to acquire their wealth through war. Not through voting, not through democracy, not through republicanism. War. Not through religious ideologies, not loving your neighbor as yourself. Through war. And by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Meaning what? During the time of King Solomon, King David, the Edomites were held in check as long as the Republic of the Twelve Tribes remained in order. But after the split of the United Twelve Tribes of Israel, these black African tribes uh, uh, broke up and Esau was able to run rampant. What did they do? They went into the land of the Horites. They took over the land of Mount Seir for themselves. Let's read that in Genesis chapter 36. It says, verse 8, Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. So you're going to hear about Mount Seir later on. Then it's going to say, Esau is Edom. Esau 
is Edom. So whenever you hear of Idumia, that's a term related to the Greeks, the Romans, the Europeans, those of the Caucasian nationality groups. And it says, and these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir, in Mount Seir. So now they took over Mount Seir, which was previously held by the inhabitants called the Horites. When you examine Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 2, let's go to that real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, Deuteronomy 12, verse 2. Okay. It says, I'm sorry, it's probably Deuteronomy 2, verse 12. Let me go back. Uh, Deuteronomy 2. Yes. Deuteronomy 2, verse 12. It says, The Horims, or the Horites, also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them, meaning they went to war, took over that land, and now called themselves Horites, right? That's what they do. When they had destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead. So now this is the modus operandi of the Edomites. They'll go into war in the land, take over the land, and call themselves that people group in their stead, in their place, in their room. Just as Israel did unto the land of his possession, which the Lord gave unto them. So the Edomites got the land of the Horites through war. So now let's look and examine the way that they operate, okay? So now let's go to a prophecy about Esau and how the Most High feels about Esau. Watch this. Ezekiel chapter 35, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir. So remember, Mount Seir is where Esau, Idumia, Edom, took over. They're called the wicked, like we uh, read earlier, right? In previous episodes. It says, and prophesy against it. So Ezekiel was told by the Most High to prophesy against the so-called white man. Verse 3, And say unto it, say unto Mount Seir, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee, and I will stretch out my hand against thee. You see, when God stretched out his hand in ancient Egypt, it's like a man that's a boxer, right? You're stretching out your hand, you're giving a left, you're giving a right, you're giving a hook. That means you're causing something to happen, right? When the plagues happened, happened in Egypt, that was an example of the Most High stretching his hand. So now he's talking about Sierra, the, the ancestor of the Greeks, the ancestor of the Romans, of the Europeans, of the Americans, right? And he's saying, I am against thee. And I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate. I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. So now he's going to explain to us 
why he's going to destroy, make desolate the cities of Esau. Verse 5, because thou hast had a perpetual hatred and has shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. So what did they do? They went to war with our people. When we were in our land, the Romans came in, the Greeks came in, they destroyed the land, destroyed the temple, enslaved some of the population. We escaped from their clutches, fought with them in many wars, and then our temple, when our temple was destroyed, we got scattered all over the place. Centuries later, did they stop persecuting us? No. They passed laws, decrees, causing us to be scattered even further. They passed laws like Dumb Diversus, saying that they would enslave those that did not follow white inferiority complex. Meaning what? A white Jesus, a white God, white angels, that brainwashing technique that they used on us for so long, it wasn't working, so they had to enslave our people. This is the legacy of the wicked. God is saying they have a perpetual hatred and they have shed the blood of the children of Israel through war, by the force of the sword. In the time of our calamity, when things were at its worst, instead of having mercy on us, they had no mercy. And even now to this day, we can look at May 2022, where a uh, grocery store was uh, shot up by a Caucasian male and it was racially motivated. So they still continue to have a perpetual hatred towards the children of Israel. Verse six, therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God. So now you know God gotta be a black man because he's like, on my life, on my life, he says, I will prepare thee unto blood and blood shall pursue thee. Since thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. So he's saying he's going to prepare the nations for war. Because they don't hate blood, war is going to pursue them. Verse 7, thus will I make Mount Seir most desolate. Think about the words. He didn't just say desolate. He said most desolate. So when World War I happened, out of all the nations, Esau, the Europeans, they were impacted the most. World War II, they created vast amounts of chaos, but they were impacted the most. World War III is going to happen, whether we like it or not, and they're going to be most desolate and cut off from him that passeth out and him that returneth. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men in thy hills and in thy valleys and in thy rivers shall they fall that are slain with 
the sword. He's telling you, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. If you live by war, you're going to die by war. If you live by enslavement, you're going to be destroyed by the same. Verse 9, I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy city shall not return, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast said, these two nations, referring to Judah and Israel, and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it whereas the Lord was there. So they control the United States of America. They control the land of Israel that was previously populated by black people. They take these two countries and say, we're going to live here as if God himself was here. We're going to exalt ourselves as God. We're going to live as God on the earth. We're going to live lavishly, indulge in all type of debauchery, all manner of evil, gain our wealth and resources through war. That's what they did. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord, he said it again. He said it again. He says, therefore, as I live, saith the Lord, I will even do according to thine anger. That sounds like what goes around comes around, don't it? That sounds like what they call karma, ain't it? He says, I'm going to do according to your own anger, how you feel towards the people that you call Negro. I'm going to do it to your own energy. Keep that same energy when the Lord comes back. Keep that same energy because I'm going to repay you for your own anger. And according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred, out of thy hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. Wow. So the creator of all things is going to make himself known when he judges Esau, when he judges them in the front of the whole entire world. He's going to make himself known when he judges the greatest empire on the earth. This is God talking. We can't do anything about it. All I can do is read it to you and explain what it says. I didn't write the Bible. You know, like the saying goes, don't get mad at the messenger. <laughs> I'm just reading the book. If You can believe the book if you want or not believe it, but hey, it's going to come true whether you like it or not. It says, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord and that I heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, they are laid desolate. They are given us to consume. So he heard how you said, we got these Negroes destroyed. We got these Indians destroyed. We got the whole world in our hands, right? That's, that's why you were singing that Christian song. He got the whole world in his hands. You were talking about yourself, weren't you? You were talking about yourself. But when the real God shows his hand, he's going to say, I got you. As I live, I'm going to handle you according to your own anger. I'm going to bless you. God bless America. He says, I'm going to bless you the same way you bless black folks. The same way you bless their ancestors. I'm going to bless you. Receive the blessing of the Lord. Because guess what? Whether you like it or not, the Bible says every knee shall bow 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Jesus Christ of the Bible is a black man. You're going to have to bow down to him, whether you like it or not. Oh, it was all good when you thought Jesus was a white boy, huh? Oh, <coughs> excuse me. It was all good. But once you realize he's a black man, oh, shoot, we in trouble. Oh, shoot. Watch this. Thus, with your mouth, you have boasted against me and have multitude and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. Thus saith the Lord God, when the whole earth rejoices, I will make thee desolate. As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate. O Mount Seir and all Idumea, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel prophesied that there would be a desolation of Idumea. When you do a Google search on the term Idumea, it's a word for the Greeks. Who are the Greeks? They're the same people that we call Romans. They're the same people that we call Europeans the same people that we call Australians, the same people that we call Caucasian Americans, the French, the Dutch, the Spanish, the Ashkenazi, the Germans, the uh, all these different people groups, the Turkish, and then their admixtures with Arabs and all of that, right? So this is another episode of Legacy of the Wicked. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Tune in to the Forefront Radio, www.anchor.fm slash the Forefront. Listen every week on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, and many other platforms. Hey, my friend, you have just listened to the Forefront Radio. Please leave your comment and input about the show. What you like about the show as well as any general feedback on ways to improve. We need your help to acquire new equipment to implement studio quality video and audio to our friends. Contribute as little as $4.99. It's only worth a cup of coffee. Then we can produce documentaries, more episodes, and great info for the diaspora. Go to Cash App and enter A-P-H-I-E-L L-E-V-I to donate to the Forefront Radio to cover our advertising costs and reach more people. Catch our next episode on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, anchor.fm slash the forefront. Always remember, the truth shall liberate the mind. Peace to the heirs of promise and the heritage of the scattered 12 tribes. 